So I, my my new goal is um, is similar to LeBron's goal. You know how LeBron wants to stay in the league long enough that he can play on the same team with his with his kid. Same. I want to do this pod long enough that uh, Jason's kid can be the uh, fifth undebeatable. I'm just recording. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm not saying that you know just old enough to be able to talk. I want like actual real insight, or he's not on the okay. show. All right. I think but, Mike's kid is on the short. Yeah, list. I think we got Mike's kid in. Yeah. London. All right, cool. But we'll bring them along slowly, you know. It'll be like the Young Avengers, you know. Like they'll they'll eventually be their own thing. <laughs> well, well, but they're well, spoilers. not. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like the we'll have we'll call it the Young Enforcers though, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the it's Young Debeatables. Ooh, I like that. We can also start a sister psychology ball called the Young Debeatables. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Goodness, nice work. Yes, well, it's just time to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year. To tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. Who doesn't love the bounce castle? Hitler. Just prepare to... Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a wash and unbeatable goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to the Unbeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 491, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss TJ Warren... TJ Warren's injury, uh, the retirement of the godfather of the Pacers, Donnie Walsh. We got you stat of the week for you and an undegoogleable. Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the birthplace of Victor Oladipo, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this podcast, there still is a nation's capital. Um, and the, I don't know, Electoral College is still a quote-unquote functioning system. Yeah, I hope so. Here's the hoping. I hope so. From Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, you guys? Um... I know we're going to get into it, but shout out to Donnie Walsh, the godfather. And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What's going on, fellas? Shout out to the horse. Good luck this weekend, Colts. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yell, scream, go horse. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to have a Harper's Colts update? No. Uh, that was it. Colts made the playoffs. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Insert jingle here. Yeah. Nice to get the jingle. That's my favorite part. 
And uh, we'd like to remind you that the show is brought to you by you and the other uh, uh, patrons over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. Uh, you can help support us directly uh, by donating uh, over there. Um, we've got three tiers. As, as little as a dollar a month can help support us. And at $5 a month, uh, you get a koozie, a beautiful koozie uh, shipped to you. And as, as well as uh, access to our uh, team chat and um, the GOAT level. $10 a month gets you all that, plus early access to bonus episodes. And, of course, if you are able to give more, then we will uh, accept that. Um, well, you can do, do that over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. Yeah, shout out to Colson for a recent uh, sweet bonus episode highlight show. It was awesome. Yeah, Good shout work. out. That's Absolutely. right. If you were on the GOAT level, you would have heard that a month ago. You know? And, and you know, and this will also include the Undegoogleables. Like, uh, you, you'll be able to hear uh, individual Undegoogleables long before they come out on our Undegoogleable feed. Uh, I mean, $10 a month to be a GOAT? It's like, it's like we're paying you to do it. That's such a great deal. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be crazy not to. That's right. I can't wait for my own Googles. How can you? <laughs> All right, team. Um, we we uh, alluded to this last show, and I'm sure you've heard by now, but TJ Warren uh, had a stress fracture in his foot and uh, went out with surgery. There's not been a timeline for his return, which is a little bit concerning to me. Uh, so they're saying he's out indefinitely. Um you know, he's coming off of, he had plantar uh, f- uh, fasciitis uh, on his right foot uh, before the season and um, and had some issues. Um, when he was in Phoenix, he had a stretch fracture as well in 2016. Um, so this is, uh, you know, unfortunately, not the, nothing new. Um, but uh, he's going to be out for a bit, and he's been a big contributor to this team. Um JT, um, as the the resident doctor, um, what do you think is? Uh, um, do you have like a ballpark on uh, when when injuries like this? Yeah, what's your experience with small left navicular stress fractures? I mean, I <laughs> yeah. assume that there's a and, and the ballpark's a big ball. <laughs> there's, a, there's a wealth of literature on the subject, as I'm sure you guys know. I mean, there's a lot out there. I got banned from all the journals. So. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Warranted, but tough. Science is behind a paywall. It's unfortunate. You know? so, um, uh, I have no idea. I don't know. It doesn't no. sound good. <laughs> it sound good at all. Yeah, this is a yeah, surgery. Did he, yeah. he had surgery, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, right. Okay, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I would imagine after any surgery to one's feet, you're going to be out for at least a month, I would guess, right? Um and I don't know, anytime they put the indefinite tag on anybody, I don't expect to see you back on the court for a while. It's very unfortunate, right? Obviously, we were all super excited um, for what TJ Warren was doing in the bubble, you know, last year, you know, lighting the world on fire, uh, and clearly was limited, you know, once we got into the playoffs in that Miami series, I think partially from the, the uh, plantar fasciitis or whatever the injury that he had. And really, you know, we were surprised to get him back, or at least I was surprised to get him back to start the season. I sort of, the reports that I had read, you know, he missed the entire preseason and it was that he was going to miss 
significantly more time uh, into the regular season. So I don't know if, you know, he came back too early and, and that's what caused this stress fracture or it's just incidental or whatever. It seems, it seems to me, and you guys maybe have read more than I have, but it seemed like maybe the plantar fasciitis was just never a good diagnosis. Mm, okay. Mm. But it's unclear to me for sure. And I don't know if the team is going to raise their hand and tell us if they misdiagnosed the dude. You know what I mean? So they just got a better x-ray or something? Yeah, <laughs> like, some extra uh, sweet or... MRI. I don't know. Gotcha. Like, okay. Um, that makes sense to me. I mean, obviously these injuries, I think, without invasive um, diagnostics are kind of a guessing game in some ways, right? So, um, yeah, su- super disappointing. I mean, it it sort of opens up um, the next question, which is how do the Pacers deal with this, you know, going forward, right? Um, it seems like Aaron Holiday has stepped into that starting role for now which is exciting. You know, we on this podcast are all big fans of that, that kid and future and, hall of famer, Aaron Holiday. Yeah. Get, getting him more time is going to be fun for us. Uh, I would like to see, um, or I guess I'm interested to see, uh, if and how coach Nate works, works in some of these, um, younger guys into the second unit. Like, is this an opportunity? I know Keelan Martin has gotten a few minutes in the last couple games. Um, yeah, you're trying to get that ma- poor kid a bucket so hard. <laughs> so oh hard. Oh, my gosh. So hard. <laughs> poor kid. Uh, oh, poor kid. But, you know, so, so maybe it's going to be Keelan Martin for a few days uh, or a few games and then Cassius Stanley for a few games and, um, you know, whatnot. It, it, where's my Edmund Summer? So I think that's a good Where's Where's good Where's he at? Isn't he ready? Yeah, he played in the preseason. Is he not? Is he hurt? He was. Yeah, he played in the preseason. Then he was hurt. I yeah, think, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, I think he is now healthy. So you, you very well may see some summer here coming up very shortly. Uh, I think you hit on something, Jason. That um, that what this does isn't so much about the starting lineup, which of course it is. This is the starting lineup we've been waiting to see, uh, which only got eighty-two minutes together last year, um, and we were real excited about what it was going to look like, especially under a new coach. Um, but it's more, I think, about the cascading effect to the bench. Um, this bench looks pretty impressive with, you know, I, 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 we've talked about it before, the uh, TJ McConnell, uh, Aaron Holiday backcourt, despite how small they are, is really fun. They just zip around. They, they're willing passers. Um, they're aggressive uh, ball hawks. Um, and, um, you know, by putting Aaron in the starting lineup, you just deplete that bench, um, which puts more pressure on... You know, Justin Holiday on on um, you know Dougie McBuckets to to produce more in that second unit and and I think you know this is um, you know I, I worry more about the bench than I do the starting lineup in this injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think the good news if you're a Pacer fan is that we're we're used to it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we just haven't had our ideal starting lineup out there very much. I you know I don't know if this is true after the Nick game, but I'm. I guess that it probably still should be. We're the only team without a, you know, without a guy in the top 50 for usage, right? All of our guys are under 25%. Um, and that's because these guys are great at sharing the ball and uh, they understand team concept. They're out there working for their guys and 
part of that is that guys are willing to go out and step up. You know, obviously we'd we'd love to have TJ Size out there over Aaron Holiday, uh, but you know we've we've got a next guy up mentality on this team, and uh, you know these guys are going to take whatever opportunities present themselves and, and, and make good on it. It's too bad. I feel terrible for for TJ. New Nate was like, you know, this kid wants to be out there so bad. Um, and every time you talk to TJ, it, it, it comes through. Like he's just a basketball geek, and that's why you love him as a as a coach, as a fan, as a player. I'm sure. Um, so I, you know, get right. Can't wait to have him back. But in the meantime, you know, these boys can hold down the fort. Yeah, there was a there was a great uh, interview with uh, Malcolm Brogdon after the Knicks game, um, and uh, he was like, you know, this is just it's it's not only tragic for T.J. Warren, but it is for the team. You know, he said he's our most gifted scorer on a team of really good scorers. And um, this isn't about putting all of that on, you know, Aaron to, to, to fix that in, in, the, in the starting lineup. It's, it's, it's more on, uh, you know, me and, and Vic and, and Sabonis to, to step up and do more, um, which is, you know, um, what we saw in that Knicks game is, it's less allowance for a night off, right? So, like, if if Sabonis and and Vic both had subpar night subpar nights, um, if Warren was out there having a good night, it wouldn't have mattered, right? But there's just less margin for error when you lose such a talented scorer like Warren. Yeah, I think the other thing that could help with this bench unit is getting um, Goga Batadze back. Do we know when he's gonna? come back because i mean I th- the the bench unit definitely works well with um sabonis in there as the as the lone big guy um but uh giving sabonis and turner a little bit more rest is is going to be good too and or putting you know somebody out there that defends the rim a bit better than sabonis i don't know if Batadze actually Fits that bill, but he's taller. <laughs> he's taller and longer. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Uh, it looks to me like he'll probably be out another week. Um, okay. You know, I, regardless, you know, Goga is a seems to be a heck of a talent. So we'd like to get him some minutes as soon as he's healthy. And you know, I'm sure one of the things that New Nate is struggling with in this very weird start to a season is you know exactly how to get these guys into shape, how to maximize that. I mean, we're going to be we've talked about it since you know well before the season. Load management is going to be a thing this season. So how hard do you run these guys early before you start going deep into the bench? When you start giving guys nights off on back backs to back, back to backs, backs to back, mm-hmm. backs to backs, mm-hmm. backs to backs. Just pluralize everything. <laughs> so it, he's, you know, I, I don't envy him that part of the job this year because I know all these guys want to play all the minutes every game. Um, but we got a lot of talent, and it's going to be fun to see, you know, one through fifteen this season getting yeah, out there, the, getting minutes. The other uh, arrow in the quiver, uh, hopefully soon, is Jeremy Lamb. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be back, but by the end of January, I think, or something like that. I, that sounds like a long time from now, but um, yeah, that that will help. I mean, he could insert right into that starting lineup or the bench, right? I mean, he's one of these like uh, Swiss Army knife type dudes that can go wherever. So, absolutely. I mean, when he was playing for us, every game he got in, he scored in double digits or something. Like mm-hmm. he just puts the ball through the cup. So, 
and defensively bring something too. I mean, I think that that as much as losing TJ Warren scoring is a, is a big hit, right? Cause he's such a gifted scorer. Uh, like you said, Herbert, like losing that size defensively, I think is, is tough. Um, and we haven't quite hit that part of the schedule where we're going to have to have these really elite wing, um, you know, small forward guys, uh, that TJ Warren matches up with at least size wise, you know, very well. So, yeah. So have fun with that, Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they interviewed, uh, Bjorkren about whether what we've seen so far is what we should expect. And he was like, yeah, no, not at all. And they're like, you're only playing, you know, eight guys, nine guys a night. He says, yes, yeah, some nights I'll play 12. I, I just, I kind of coach with my gut. I feel stuff out and it's going to be different all the time. And they said, um, you know, you shot nearly 53s in the Knicks game. Is that going to be more typical or is it going to be closer to the 25? And he says, yeah, it's going to depend on the game and depend on the scheme. He's like, so uh, don't start sitting around trying to expect some stuff. You can't read too much into what's happening early. <laughs> this is going to be, you know, it's going to uh, be a game to game basis. So, you know, he's talked a lot about using all 12 guys. It may not be every night. It may just be in, in you know, um, spurts and fits. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're, it w- would be interesting to see uh, whether, you know, the 12th man can give us some minutes. I mean, like I said, you know, like we were saying, Keelan Martin looked a little nervous for the moment to start, uh, you know, in a, you know uh, to play in his last game. But, you know, maybe that maybe he gets beyond that and can really give us some helpful minutes. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Other the other uh, uh, sort of big topic in in the uh, Pacers world, and this of course uh, I think affects less day to day. But uh, Donnie Walsh has retired uh, from the team. He, he's been a consultant uh, for the last five years or so. But uh, you know he, he was the president uh, of basketball operations in the past, um, and uh, he, he's just been a huge part of the franchise um, for many years. Uh, um, I think we kind of want to go around the horn and just kind of talk about, uh, you know, what, uh, what your Donnie Walsh memories were and kind of what he means to you. Cause he's, he, he's been behind, you know, everything for, for uh, 20 plus years. Um, you know, he did leave, um, a couple of years and go to the Knicks and I mean, you know, he straightened out, you know, of course it's the Knicks. They made a bunch of bad decisions, but you know, he straight him, straight him out the best that he could. He did his best. I mean, he did his best. It was, you know, they had, no. remember when he got there, they had like these insane contracts for people who just weren't doing yeah. anything, you know, and he flipped a bunch of those into like, you know, rotation players and, and got the, got them off the books. And then, uh, you know, I'm guessing he just said, look, you know, I'm only one man and said, uh, I'm going to go back to Indiana. <laughs> well, I mean, he came in and, and I think he was there for like four seasons, but within the first year he cleared out all of those terrible contracts, you know, <laughs> and he'd gotten Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire and within two years they're back in the playoffs. So yeah. And then he was like, yeah, that's, that's all I can do. Um, <laughs> and then went back to the Pacers I, I and had us enough to get a clean mountaintop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you mind if I give you a brief uh, bio of the old Donnie Walsh? Sure. Show? Um, yeah, please. So um, he's 79 years old. Um, he's stepping down because he says this is a young man's sport. 
Um, he played college ball under Dean Smith at North Carolina. Went to law school. Uh, 12 years an assistant at South Carolina. Um, and then in Denver as the Nuggets assistant, assistant under Larry Brown. Joined the Pacers as an assistant coach in 1984. And within two years was the GM. Um, his first three drafts were Chuck Person, Reggie Miller, and Rick Smits. Apparently all were very unpopular. Uh, he got booed off the stage. Um, Chuck Person ended up being Rookie of the Year. Um, he picked Reggie Miller over IU standout Steve Alford. We all know how that one worked out. Um, his 22 years as a GM and then president, the Pacers made playoffs 19 times and four conference finals and one finals. Uh, when he came back after the uh, previous uh, Knicks stint we just mentioned, uh, he came back as a consultant uh, in 2008. Um, in the 12 years as a consultant, the team made the plays, uh, playoffs nine times and made the Eastern Conference playoffs twice. So if you do the math um, under his watch, the Pacers were as likely to go to the Eastern Conference Finals as they were to miss the playoffs. Um, he built the mid-90s teams, um, coming off a of finals transition quickly into 2000 contenders under Jermaine O'Neal. Um, and after just a brief hiatus return, uh, you know, from his time in New York, returned to build a contender in the early 2010s. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, and I just wanted to end on this quote uh, from Quinn Buckner. Buckner said, <clears throat> he's been the North Star, the beacon. He set the standard from a character standpoint. The culture of the organization came from Donnie Walsh. He set the standard for the way people should behave, the way you should treat each other. He's a brilliant mind who is as a compassionate human being as I've ever been around. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So, damn. Yeah, it's uh, he's had an impressive career. For me, the the the, the most impressive thing was uh, uh, was was like you mentioned, he drafted Reggie Miller. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up in Indiana, I saw uh, Steve Alford's name in the papers like every day. You know, from high school and, and in college too. You know that the whole state was in love with this kid, and then um, the the you know state that loved him had a chance to to add him to the roster um and uh, you know he passed on it and it was clearly the right decision because <laughs> reggie is the the greatest player in the history of the franchise and um you know all for it you know kind of flamed out pretty quickly in the league um but uh so you know it's it's that sort of um you know tough decision making that uh you know he's been great at doing you know and it's making unpopular unpopular decisions that are correct you know and and tell them tell them the people that are like paying money to see you that uh you're going to do something they don't they don't like but um you know uh he's earned the respect by doing that enough times that uh you know it's kind of don't question him anymore because he's almost always he's almost always right so um shout out he's going to be missed and yeah like it, it's going to ripple you know the his his imprint on the organization is going to be here for a long time you know just you know, sort of imprinted in everybody that works there now. Um, so we hope, uh, you know, he may not, yeah, we, we, we hope so. Um, 
So he's it's been a blessing to have him here, and uh, uh, I want to thank him for all he's done for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my impressions of Donnie Walsh are mostly shaped by John Coulson. Um, <laughs> and our late-night conversations, anytime we would try to fix the Pacers or trade for anybody, we would put ourselves in the position of Donnie Walsh who we imagined, um, you know, just chain smoking and drinking early on whiskey, but then later in his life, just, you know, mountains of diet Coke, um, (laughs) and, and just drawing up things on the board. And really, you know, nowadays, like fans are super astute as are most GMs, right? There was a time when, uh, you know, there were a wealth of GMs that had no idea what was going on and who was a good player and who wasn't a good player. And Donnie Walsh took advantage of that to, to no end um, and fleeced several So many trades. franchises. Uh, my favorite set of transactions, and Colson, you'll, you'll correct me because I'm going to get this wrong, but it was, it was essentially we traded away Mark Jackson for Jalen Rose – um, it, but then it, the experiment didn't work. We needed a point guard, so we traded some other trash to get uh, Mark Jackson back, basically from the Denver Nuggets or something like that. Yeah, Is like it, the next year. Like it was within yeah, like a, a year calendar later, year. We were just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, also, can we just have that really good guy back for like <laughs> Mark Pope and you know who else, whoever else? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Masterstroke, without a doubt. Yeah, he's the king of trading the guy away and then getting the guy back, uh, <laughs> which is always fun to watch. Uh, and it says it says a lot about the organization that he helped create. The, the guys wanted to come back, whether it was via trade or free agency. We weren't worried about bringing these guys back. We knew who we had, and you know he was able to trade people. And in the case of Mark Jackson, uh, you know, no hard feelings. Um, you know. We're we're good. We made a mistake. We want you back. Like that's that that's rare in professional sports, and a mm-hmm. level of humility mm-hmm. that you're not gonna find from a lot of GMs. Uh, I think my favorite Donnie Walsh move was uh, trading Dale Davis for Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, come mm. come coming off, you know, our finals appearance and the retirement of Rick Smiths. Um, you know, trading away Dale, who had been a centerpiece and just a heck of a worker for us for years, a fan favorite for a guy who was sitting on the bench in Portland doing, you know, up 10 minutes a game or something and almost immediately turned this guy into a perennial all-star where no one else saw the talent. I mean, again, just mm-hmm. being able to find that diamond in the rough and not being afraid to pull the trigger, uh, getting to watch Jermaine O'Neal for a few healthy years there. Um, just just an amazing an amazing find in this league at that time but before they had the uh, trade machine online it was uh it's an impressive piece <laughs> of work well and sp- speaking of bringing guys back he brought dale davis back for the uh he did the year of the brawl <laughs> and really helped us out as our starting center um my my um uh, memory of of donnie walsh will always be him sitting next to the tunnel uh, with his arms mm-hmm. crossed 
you know, kind of behind mm-hmm. the bench, you know, up, up a few rows and just nervous, just, just miserable about every play, you know, living and dying with every shot. He just, 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 he's talked about it. You know, he's stone faced during this, but inside he's just, you know, his stomach is roiling, you know, he's just a mess. And I think that that's, you know, that level of fandom, because ultimately it's not, wasn't his job as much as he was a fan of the game and cared that much about this team. Um, I, you know, I love that he missed the eight points in, in nine seconds because he was so mad that he had to go smoke, that he couldn't handle it anymore. Like, I mean, he just was a fan more than anything. And I think that's part of what made him so good at his job. And so um, I'll just always appreciate uh, him for that. Yeah. There was also like, I also felt that the, uh, you know, how few of the players that, you know, the players that we liked, you know, that after they left, you know, some guys, and I, I guess sort of like the, the sort of mid-level and lower end guys, you know, that we thought maybe had a good future, um, you know, left and really didn't do much elsewhere, you know, even though we thought maybe these guys have a good, good future. I think he had a really good eye for for seeing that stuff. Um, you know, some of these guys, you know, they they let contracts expire, and and um, you know, I wanted to see them play somewhere, but the fact that nobody picked them up, and and or or, or you know, they weren't really the their trajectory didn't stay. Um, it, to me, was kind of like um, uh, testament to how how well his uh, eye for talent was, and and you know how their careers were going to turn out um i think he was amazing at that and, and i think a team like indiana without having somebody like that um he's sort of a you know small market franchise like without that um you know we'd be mm. in a in a you know we'd be in a terrible spot you know yeah mm-hmm. we would not be uh you know the, you know the paragon of of consistency that we've been for sure i mean mm. donnie passed on all sorts of life opportunities to you know choose what he loved which is basketball i mean he he's actually he went to law school could have been practicing law in new york and i'm sure made a ton of money when the league probably wasn't paying anything but he did it because he loved it you know goes to the nuggets and gets booted thank you denver mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know if if they don't spot his talent immediately then we would have never got our hands on him um, so, you know, we got very lucky to, uh, have him with us for so long and I, I'm sure he won't be far away from this organization ever. Cause right, yeah. 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 He's leaving as an official consultant, but you're telling me they're not going to call him when it comes to a trade just to uh, see yeah, what his be, opinions are. Yeah. If, if he'll pick up the phone, you will make the call and maybe <laughs> even if he won't. Uh, there was a, they, they interviewed, uh, Mark Boyle on this as well. And, um, you know, He's been uh, with the organization, uh, you know, 30 years as well. So he goes back a long way with with Donnie. I think he said, you know, Donnie was only a couple of years into being the GM and um, when he got hired. Um, but the um, the thing that I thought was interesting was he said that the league was very different back then because, um, you know, they didn't make the playoffs in the first couple of years that he was the GM. And then um, – didn't they were in the first round of the playoffs every year after that um but you know didn't break through until 94 
So you think about him being the GM from 86 to 94 without real playoff success. He just doesn't think that that happens in the modern era. And what a shame that would be if the team had just cut bait with him early on because this man, you know, built this consistent culture um, that will continue to live on in this franchise. Um, So um, I guess thank you to the patience of the Simons as well. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Like any job, it's going to take you time to figure out how to do it well, right? Um, and so, it's yeah, it's definitely good that they had the patience. No, no patience on the coaching end, though, to fair franchise. So. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no, never. But that's fine. No, uh, you know. not even once. We're hoping that will change under, under the that's pressure right. regime. That's right. Like Rick Carlisle, we had that guy. You know? Yeah. Seems to make a difference out there. Yeah. When was the last time they won a championship? <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a decade almost. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, team. Uh, well, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back in the second half. We got um, set of the week for you, and uh, at least one undegoogable. Not more. <laughs> <laughs> We are back from the break. My start of the week this week uh, is about your Indiana Pacers. And currently, as of recording, 
they're leading the league in field goal percentage. And I think that's freaking awesome. They are at 51.1%. The nearest competitor, if you call them that, is the Lakers at 50.2. But um, <laughs> they're just... Wow. Yeah. And that's including that... Yeah. Whatever it Absolutely. was, 40% yeah, they are, atrocity uh, against the Knicks. Wow. No, it is, and that's it not is just field two, goals two point field goals. That's overall. So two points, three points, all the good stuff. Um, that's amazing. Because we're shooting like twenty nine percent from the range, or something like that. I don't 30, know. Yeah, thirty three point eight percent. I know for, uh, <laughs> for three points. So uh, okay, yeah. But basically, we're just hitting everything yeah. else. Golden so State's at that's awesome. Ooh, uh, sorry. Golden State is at uh, at the bottom of the league at thirty nine point eight percent. to go Ooh. with their one hundred twenty four points conceded per game. <laughs> is that good? Yeah, I I thought they were gonna make the playoffs, or no? Yeah, I thought they would be in the playoff uh, like tenth spot or whatever that play in. Not, I'm not thinking that was a good good call. I mean, if they can keep Steph healthy, they 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 may be all right yet, but they're not getting anything out of Draymond right now. And yeah, but you know, also who cares? Suck at Golden State. We're awesome. <laughs> yeah, they've 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 got I'm theirs. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna pour out a lot of beer for Golden State. Not shed a lot of tears. No. No, that's that's uh, that bodes super well. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just fun to see a team so excited to get to the rim and then rattle that damn thing when they get there. It's been yeah. fun. It's been a it's been a fun uh, fun thing to watch. There, I do wish they would pick up the uh, the free throws. They're uh, about near the bottom actually in, in free throws. They're uh, about over twenty, like in the in the low twenty. So. Um, pick that up a little bit but uh i'm just uh, nitpicking at this point but it's free points come on yeah and as the season progresses i you know you, you figure a team that gets you know two feet in the paint and is at the rim a lot is over time going to get plenty of free throw chances yeah. that will revert to I hope so you know a different meet and it's very early on but paces are currently uh 10th in the NBA in defensive rating and 5th in offensive rating. We've talked many a time that if at the end of the season you can be top 10 of both, um, you can be a contender. So, hmm. Just got to not let our net rebounding be negative 23 and <laughs> should be good. <laughs> All right, Colson, I think it's time. It's been too long uh, for another undegoogable. We doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. What can we answer for you this week? How can I help you? <laughs> uh, you know, it has been too long. I've, I've been getting some flack uh, from uh, <clears throat> the people that have asked me these questions. 
uh, and they, they're just waiting for answers. They're just not Googling things, just waiting for us to answer them. Yeah. And then, Wait till they're all, all Patreon subscribers and have access to your uh, daily feed, buddy. It's... They would have already had it, exactly. <laughs> uh, we, but we had to do, all, of course, all these season previews that are hour-long shows that don't have time for Googleables. But again, if you're a Patreon, we would have done it for you, already recorded it, and sent it out. So Don't, don't, don't uh, ask questions like, how do I perform CPR? Like... You know, not, nothing timely, you know. <laughs> right. You give warnings these days, but sure. Uh, right. No. right. How do I, yeah, jump a car on a dark road? Yeah. You don't, like I don't that. want to start the podcast with, like, you know, uh, if this is an emergency, please call 911. Like that, you know. We're not we're not going to that road. We we could start the undergoogleables like that every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, one of the ones I liked uh, uh, thought was a pretty pretty good question. Um, everybody knows the the phrase uh, "drink like a fish," um, and the question was, is that accurate? Do fish actually drink? Do they drink water? Like is is drink like a fish, um, accurate? Do fish actually drink water? Is this a real question? This is a real question. Yeah, I mean, water goes through their face hole. Right, that's a different question. Mm, is it though? I think it is. I think they're asking me a different Why question so? than than whether because I mean, clearly water is going through them all the time and it's going out their gills and whatnot. But are they actually drinking water? Of course, they're drinking water. What but what's the definition? I mean, you need to define drink at this point if it if if we're not clear on that because like water is going through their face hole. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This is the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I so mean, water is going in. <laughs> yeah. So first off, they are immersed in water. Right. Sure. Sure. But are they getting that through the, like their gills? Are they getting it through their skin, or are they actually like drinking it? I think is the question. Yep. All the yes. things. Yeah. They're in, in, Yeah. I mean, who knows if they like consume water only to consume air, if that's what you're asking, right? So if so if they are taking in water only to pass it through their gills to get oxygen, that you could say is maybe they're breathing. They're not really drinking it necessarily yeah. or whatever. I don't exactly know the anatomy of a a fish face hole, but <laughs> That's I, <a> imagine, <laughs> I imagine that they, the, there are different routes to, so like when we drink water, right? Water goes down and goes to the esophagus and then into the stomach, whereas air goes into the trachea, right? And into the lungs. Usually. Hopefully. So I don't yeah. know if water goes in and then some is diverted to the gills, and then others goes to the esophagus of the fish. That I don't know. Um, but even if they just, uh, anytime they eat, right, to take in food that goes down their esophagus, they're taking in water. Like, yeah. So it's just everywhere all the time. Yes. Well, I, I do have an, uh, I guess, a follow up question that's potentially related. Um, how does the how does the salt water thing work? Are they filtering out like if they're like so if salt water fish for example right? Uh-huh. Um, 
how do they how are they consuming water because at least at least for humans drinking salt water would dehydrate you right um and not hydrate you um how do are are those fish filtering out salt somehow and to get water intake to be hydrated or i don't i yeah i don't know does that make sense it does yeah go ahead harper <laughs> uh I, I don't I don't have a definitive answer on this, but I suspect that they just may be living with a different you know pH balance generally. Um, yeah, I'm guessing their kidneys work a bit differently or something. Like yeah, right. I think yeah, they, instead they of trying to fix the problem, they just, a different osmolarity. Yeah, basically, than, yeah. right. A different than freshwater fish. A different uh, sorry, a different osmolarity. So a different concentration of ions dissolved in the water so salt okay. water basically is is yeah it just has a bunch of sodium and chloride and other ions in it at a higher concentration than there is in fresh water right right but really what you need is a differential in osmotic pressure on some level right to make sure that you're not overwhelmed so somehow they can manufacture that at the cellular level yeah I'm guessing I'm guessing through their kidneys. They, yeah. yeah. Which is what we do truthy. as well, right? So we. And there were enough words in that sense I didn't understand. I am not going to argue. <laughs> this is why I come to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is fish definitely drink water. And in salt water, if they're drinking salt water, it's it doesn't affect them the way it affects us because they have different body makeups. So they could actually drink salt water and it would essentially be hydrating for them or something. Absolutely. Right. Though, I mean, even if you keep fish at home, you don't want your saltwater fish in a freshwater tank, right? I mean, these different species are specifically tailored to their specific environments. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few random species, though, that can. So so there are these like, um, what do they call them? estuaries right Mm -hmm. which is where Mm -hmm. a a river got dammed off from a a, the ocean basically so the estuary basically is intermediate um salt concentration right so it's not salt water meets the ocean right Right. yeah so it's not yeah but there's some maybe it's another term i'm thinking of where it's like it's gotten walled off but anyway so there's it's like salt water sort of inland a a bit right right? exactly Yeah. yeah And so there are species that can tolerate sort of both or whatever, like or a range at some level. Right. Really thrive in those like estuaries or there's another term. I can't think of what it is, but um, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And they can go so far, like upstream basically into the river, but not beyond. Cause then it's like before it starts being toxic to them or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely familiar with with uh, with those. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the. I don't know if there's a term for that. Estuary is uh, definitely something <laughs> along those so lines. We've created so a new undergoogleable. So many <laughs> words for water, you know. Different types of water. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. again, so, uh, I don't yeah. think we have to Google that one. Harbor's right. So an estuary is a, is the tidal mouth. The, it's where the tide meets the river, basically. Yeah. 
brackish water. Mm. Mm. That's definitely That's a good a word. It's a good word. So All some right. fish species can live in both freshwater and saltwater. These species are called Uraline. U R Y H A I or H A L I N E. I'm gonna I'm sure I fumbled the spell or the pronunciation on that. So I started to Google do fish drink water, but uh the Google autocomplete here is pretty hilarious. So do <laughs> do fish blank. Uh in order. P fart have lungs, have ears, have tongues, have brains, have bones, breathe, sleep, or have blood. Or have blood. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. People do not know a lot about fish. Or living things generally. So, yeah, fish do absorb water through their skin and gills in a process called osmosis. Okay. We knew that. Okay. Catadromous fish, on the other hand, generally live in freshwater bodies only and only enter saltwater to spawn, like salmon. Hmm. Maybe. North American eels, I guess, is what they're... Uh, Saltwater fish at least need to purposefully drink water... Uh, in order to get it in into their systems, get enough water into their systems, they um, can't just allow fish to diffuse freely through their gills. Huh. Okay, so according to this website from McGill, um, Not all. So, freshwater counterparts direct all of the water that comes into their mouths through the out through the gills. All of it. While as saltwater fish direct some into their digestive tract. So the answer is saltwater fish do drink water, but and freshwater fish do not. Do not. I guess you could argue. Yeah. So it goes they definitely face take hold. in water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. But it goes out their side holes. Well, and then they also need to take in water in order to, um, you know, perform their bodily functions. They just do that through through their osmosis, skin. Through their yeah. skin. So then so, it gets into how do you define drink? You know, right. <laughs> If you if you do a vodka eyeball, <laughs> if no, you go out with no. your friends and you do you, and you just vodka eyeball, did sure. you go out for a night of drinking? Right. Mm. Um, the, this uh, is one of life's great mysteries. You know? Yeah. Is is the tequila enema actually drinking? <laughs> right. Right. Huh. All right. I mean, the only way to solve this is to ask Brett Kavanaugh. So we'll send it to the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> Find out for sure. We need to get a ruling on whether or not boofing is actually. <laughs> hey, he'd be the man to ask. Him and Squib. <laughs> so, do fish drink water turned into is boofing drinking? <laughs> I mean, it was only ever going one place. <laughs> I blame the listeners. Uh, do you want another so I'm one? I'm a bad feel... fundraiser. 
Do you feel pretty good about that? Is that is that good enough? You want another one? I'm feeling good. Okay. You got a kid. Yep. Joey's yeah. All uh, into the I, internet on Did you did you look up boofing on on Is that what you did? <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. you looked up boofing. Oh no. I did. It was a bad idea. I wasn't familiar. Uh, I went to Forbes.com, so it's not. Uh, that could have been much worse. <laughs> <Exactly. Yeah. laughs> but I mean, there's a picture of a beer bong, and uh, it says boofing can use a beer funnel, but the funnel doesn't quite go in your mouth. <laughs> so, gonna. I have no follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Close that tab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Erase that history. <laughs> and we're good. Uh, side note, fish do not fart, aside mm. from uh, herring and sand sharks. Mm. There's two that, that were granted the... Uh, that the is, it, if a fart... Again, we got to define it, what is what it doesn't mean to fart. Right. I, I think it's pretty clear that... It's gas expelled solely through the rear end. Okay. Um, because we have other names for gas expelled through other. Like orifices, burping. Right. Okay. I mean, but I don't know. If I farted for my gills or something, would that be? Well, so that's what that article. I can I can send you the link to the article. <laughs> <laughs> Does gas expelled through the gills count as farting? Yeah. I mean, Quiet minds want to know. <laughs> uh, we have to end this pod just so Joey will stop reading about boofing. No, no. <laughs> I also went to. I, there was a question. Like, I think Jason brought like the, the question, not that you brought this question up, but the, you read that the question and it was the question is, are fish animals? Um, and I'd heard that before. I thought you'd mentioned that. Um, I'd heard that before, um, and apparently it's like a common question: Did like are fish even animals? Do or do uh, fish exist? Right. <laughs> so what would no, fish be? Book. There's a book. Do fish exist? I think it's called Do Fish Exist, and it's all about how do you parse like how do you define things? How do you say what a fish sure. is? Right. And the the short answer is you can't. Right, so basically, right, that yeah. there's an exception to every rule that you make. Right, yeah. And Which so, a why, why fish don't exist? Fish are outside of the animal kingdom, exist. essentially. No, no, no. no. That's well, not the point. No, the the point is that you that categorization. Yeah, heuristic categories at large are totally manufactured. Right. right exactly. Okay. Yeah. We've made up. We've made up everything with language well, and they're animals because we said they're flipping right. animals. Right. Or they're not. So your definition of drink is something we made up. Drank. Drank. <laughs> drink, drank, drunk, boof, I think. I will also say that some fish do have bones. Because I've eaten a fish before and it had bones mm. in it. Mm-hmm. 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 Wait, was that a question? Astute Where'd... observation. It was... It was it was part of the uh, auto. It was on the list of the do yeah. fish okay. blank. Yeah. Okay. Vegetarian minds want to know. I mean, I mean, I've, I've eaten fish before, and yeah, they they got the bones, mm-hmm. and they're hurt. Mm-hmm. They got the bones. 
I get. I hear a crying yeah, baby yeah. upstairs. Definitely. We answered all the questions we need to answer today. Um, fish drank. Uh, fish drank. Um, <laughs> well, it depends on if you're saltwater or freshwater. Uh, we'll be back with you next week um, uh, on Monday, and we can be found on the social medias on Twitter. We are at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. Our website is TheUndebeatables.com. We've got a contact form there that uh, you can f- fill out and send to us. Um, you can send us an email, shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. And um, if you'd like to join our Slack, you can become a Patreon member at uh, $5 a month and get you an invite there. And we ship a koozie right to your house, or you can supersize that uh, by going goat at $10 a month. And we got t-shirts. For our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sicklinard. Turn out the lights, the party's over. I think we may have to float giving shout-outs to goats. Like, they get to do their own shout yeah. Oh. That, oh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty solid. So do they get to write their own shout-out, or do they send us an audio clip? or? I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to do their thing. Man. <laughs> it's These are just definitions we're making up, so don't, you know. Sure. <laughs> if you're a goat, we'll let you do whatever you want. Exactly. Pretty much. Apparently, uh, you you're want my record job? extra undegoogables and send them to the months in advance. So. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, three weeks from now, you're just going to be promising things that <laughs> we cannot do. I will give you a back massage. <laughs> yeah. We'll fly to your house. <laughs> Stem cell therapy on the yeah. house. Yeah. What you working on there, buddy? Who are you talking? What's yeah, who uh, talking to? Joey? Yeah. Just, just trying to figure. What do you out mean? What am I working on? I don't know. You feel like you're working on something? Like what? Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like a podcast? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Got this little project I'm uh, doing it, (laughs) working on it for nine years now. Little side hustle. (laughs) It's currently made Um, me 90 cents a month. It hasn't even, nope, negative. We're still in the right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We got to operate with this Patreon thing for uh, another nine years to almost (laughs) break even. (laughs) 